Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. All right. right. Let's do this. Because I need to finish this book, because I have not read the ending yet. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to yet another fantabulous episode of Fiddle and Pipe. Uh, I'm Brittany Ross. That's Catherine Flincham. And with us, we have two guests uh, Mm -hmm. that Catherine's actually going to introduce because, um, I don't know, I just didn't want to do it this week because hashtag lazy. (laughs) It's been a long week, to be fair. It's Friday. You know, we're decompressing a little bit, I'm sure. Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Hashtag 2011. What a wonderful time, I guess. (laughs) Isn't that when you graduated high school, Brittany? Yeah. Back when Kesha was popular. (laughs) Oh, TikTok. Speaking of TikTok, who has a TikTok is uh, Chelsea Tanner, or Dr. Chelsea Tanner, and she has a podcast, Align Your Mind Podcast. Welcome, Chelsea, once again on our podcast. And then our uh, second guest, new to Fiddle and Pipe, we have Laurel Rockall, who is a co-host of Hightailing Through History, which is a history podcast where two sisters get together and talk about really like interesting history stories. I'm in the middle of the current one that you guys just uploaded about the Hoover Dam and I keep thinking about dam. What a nice dam. All those puns. All the damn puns you can fit into an episode right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I keep hearing dam in my head. It's a really neat podcast if you're into history, if you want to learn, you know, something a little new or something that you didn't know about, and you should totally check it out. So, welcome, Laurel. Thank you so much. What if you know everything? Should you still listen to it? (laughs) You know what? If you know everything, then that's the time when you can yell it back at whatever device you're listening to. So, you know, if we get to a certain part in the story and we skipped your favorite thing about said topic, or if there's something that you know more than we do, which is probable, then you can be like, no, (laughs) it's 1962. I'm a violinist. I don't know how many classical musicians you associate yourself with, but we are a very arrogant folk. So don't ever tell me that I know everything because I will take that and run with it. (laughs) Oh, my power just flickered. Did y'all see that? I did. A little bit. That wind is no joke. I'm under a high wind warning right now, so... Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck out there. Should add a spooky element to today's recording. It's the Midnight Library Calling. So today we're reading the second part, I guess our second part of Midnight Library, because there are no parts in this. We read Fish Tank through Howl, like how wolves howl. Howl. Well, what are, what are y'all's backgrounds? Like, have you guys read The Midnight Library before Chelsea or Laurel? Have you, yeah. is this your first time so far? The Midnight Library and I have found each other at exactly the right moment in time, I feel like. Mm. I had just turned 35, or I, well, I should say I was 35 when I read the book, which is the same age as the main character, Nora Seed. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everything's weird. I spent the previous 13 years in the health and fitness industry and doing coaching, 
little bit different sort of coaching uh, than you, Chelsea, but fitness, nutrition, and then some like athletic performance stuff. Burned out, <laughs> closed my business down, uh, which worked out because that was right at the time that things were all closing down for COVID anyway. And then a few months into that, had a baby. So everything, <laughs> everything was a very weird time. Mm-hmm. Lots of new life changes. Also wondering, like, is this my new, like, what's my new purpose? Like, if I'm not going to identify myself as a trainer and coach anymore, what am I going to be? What am I going to do with my life? Oh, my God, I'm getting old. Oh, my God, I'm a mom now. Oh, my God, you know, and all these things that we kind of freak out about. But, yeah, it. I read this book, and I was like, huh. I just felt like I could at least relate to it at a certain point. In, at that certain point, I was in my life. I really enjoyed it, and I do highly recommend it to people, especially when they're getting around 30, around 40, 35, at least through milestone ages. I feel they, it connects really well at those certain times. But I'm monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We hog the mic every week, so that's why we let y'all speak so much. Yeah, exactly. We love it when you guys talk. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dr. Tanner? Oh, gosh. All the formalities here. I think I I read it pretty soon after it came out. Maybe in 2021, though. Yeah, I think it just did a great job of, like, zooming out. You know, like, all of this is, like, Nora being able to, like, zoom out and picture herself in different lives. So during the pandemic, like, I'm a musician and that's didn't happen for two years so we're all like questioning like Mm -hmm. what does this mean for us you know what is my identity I became a coach during the pandemic so it's just like it was sort of interesting to also realize like no matter you know what what path I'm gonna choose like it's a good reminder like there's there's good and bad it like ebbs and flows no matter what and so I think like reading it now actually I just read up until Howell this morning (laughs) but but like reading this today I was like oh like this is such a great book to read every so often Mm -hmm. too yeah Mm -hmm. like a reminder seems like it yeah so let's dive right in so if you all remember from last episode Nora went to Australia and was like, hey, I'm going to like hang with my BFF Izzy. And it turns out she died in this car accident. Her life in Australia was just complete trash. Not a good time. Uh, So she was like super sad and went back. So she goes back to the library and she's like, why the hell did I stay in Australia? Because there's literally nothing for me there. Like my best friend died after a month. And Miss Alma's like, well, you stayed because, you know, you were grieving and you got depressed and that made you complacent. And she has this, like, beautiful analogy of, or not analogy, I guess it's like a study where they, was it zebrafish? Mm -hmm. They, like, drew a line on the fish tank and the fish who were depressed uh, always stayed under that line. And if they gave them, like, Prozac, they would go above the line. So it's like a representation of... If you're depressed, you just have no motivation or energy or drive to take any kind of action. Kind of makes me sad for fish. I I know that sounds really weird, but I was kind of like thinking about finding Nemo for a little bit about this, like being stuck in a tank and how they were trying to escape from the tank from Darla. (laughs) 
And it just made me so sad for fish. And I make, it made sense why my parents were like, we're not getting you a pet fish. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the point of the study was that all fish are depressed. <laughs> but it just kind of made me a little sad. I don't know. I was also sad about the cat dying. And I don't have any relation to this yeah. cat in the beginning of the book. So, yeah. I'm glad yes. that the, the chapter, well, the chapter... Uh, Actually, I'm trying to think. Is that before the section that we're discussing today that she found out that Voltaire actually has a heart condition? Yeah, that was in the last part. So That was in the last one. Okay. I'm glad that they figured that out pretty quick early days because I was like, oh, my gosh, her poor cat. But early in her life changing or, you know, life swapping that they're like, you know, Voltaire had a heart, mm-hmm. heart condition and <laughs> he, he would have passed away anyway. It's okay. There's nothing you can do. It didn't make you a bad person or an owner. Mm-hmm. So thank God for that because that was sad. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, exactly. Yeah. I have an orange boy, so I remember oh. when I read this book the first time, I cried. Oh, I know. Reading that, Vivi Voltaire, both ginger cats. Oh. He's such a ham. I love him. Orange cats are the best. Yeah, something about orange boys. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. like the sweetest cats ever. I just want to take my face and smoosh it all, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Nor is like, I guess I had no incentive to take any action, even something as, I guess, drastic or as negative as like suicide, because in some lives you just sort of get complacent and you just kind of float around and expect nothing to change. And I feel like that happens a lot. I think that happened to a lot of us during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even after, like, or like, I guess, like, I guess, like, when things more opened up, I've been in that place where I was just like, I don't know what to do. And everyone else is, like, doing things, getting back into, like, the routines and everything like that they did before COVID. And for me, I was just kind of, like, sitting there, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my purpose is or my place is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. definitely been there before. Yeah. I still feel that way. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, I, I use this analogy a lot. I've heard it. Chanel Miller was on Glennon Doyle's podcast. If we're talking about podcasts. Mm. And she had this, this analogy of like when she gets very depressed and like in a, in a place that seems like very emotionally charged, she says it's like looking through a toilet paper tube. Mm-hmm. And I love that analogy because it's like, yeah, if we're like, I don't know what to do, this is like all there is, right? Like, there's not a lot we can see outside of that. But what I think Matt Haig, mm-hmm. is that how you say his name? That's okay, how yeah. we're assuming it's said. <laughs> <laughs> what he does so beautifully in this is it like gives her a chance to like put the this down and like maybe experience a few others. Mm-hmm. And so really kind of zooming out in in a way that I feel like and of course I feel like Mrs. Elm is like the she's like the wise she's like Gandalf Mm -hmm. she's like the wise (laughs) the wise one in this but but yeah I feel like knowing that you won't know more what to do in a different life is like kind of comforting in a way yes yes Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I just think it was like a shock to everyone's system with the pandemic. Um, and then, yeah, like coming out of the pandemic, it was just, I don't know. I'm not someone who's ever really struggled with depression, but it made me feel like continuously, like situationally depressed. 
Nora asks Mrs. M for a successful life, and Miss M is like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does success mean? And Nora's like, I don't know. I thought it was your job to tell me. <laughs> so Mrs. M was like, okay, well, like, what makes you happy? Or, like, what made you happy when you were happy? And she, and she thinks about swimming, how she used to be a really good swimmer in high school, and how she had a good relationship with her dad through swimming. So she's like, I guess um, I wish for a life where I didn't give up swimming and I was like super driven to be the best swimmer I could be. So that's what happens. Except before that, there is a, the tiniest little blurb of a chapter and it's called, I need to scroll up my text because I don't want to write it all out. It was the last update that Nora had posted before she posts, she found herself between life and death and it was like, I miss my cat. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> and there. I don't know, pet deaths are weird because they seem so, like, significant to you. And I feel like to people outside of, like, your family, it doesn't hold the same significance as if, like, a person died. So it's, like, I've always found, like, pet deaths to be, like, a weird form of grief. Yeah. Yeah, I could see what you're saying. I can see that. So it's, like, how it can be a huge deal for you, but it's not, like... I don't know, if I told y'all, like, my cat died, y'all would be, like, sad for me, but you're kind of, like, on some level, you're, like, it's, like, a pet. She'll be fine in, like, a few days. But, like, to me, that's, like, that's my whole, that's, like, one of my children. Well, you gain a connection with those animals, I think, a little bit more personally than Mm -hmm. what we do. So I feel like that section's really profound because it's, like, representative, (sighs) words are hard, representative of how like perception is key and something that seems like minuscule to one person can mean like the world to another person mm-hmm. which especially when you're talking about something like mental health is very personalized between people mm-hmm. and also when she asked mrs elm for the successful life and she asked you know what is success for you i mean that's also a perception too is it happiness is it being able to do what you love or is it having profound love and friendship in your life or money fame Mm -hmm. I think he brings up a lot of a lot of those classic questions life questions like sort of is the grass greener on the other side kind of thing or what is success or (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what what you know what are is what are those things that are important to you so it's a really good point that you bring up because of like the perspective piece of that mm-hmm. which yeah. I didn't think of before thanks I, I like to pretend that I knew th- no things so <laughs> you do I say you as know. I misspeak <laughs> what I'm saying so she wakes up as a swimmer like in a hotel room <laughs> as a successful swimmer mm-hmm. Olympian retiring at the ripe age of 28 Wow. <laughs> she is the bee's knee. She wakes up at like 6.30 and there's healthy food laid out and she's in this like bougie luxury corporate hotel and there's an itinerary on the table that's basically telling her how to get ready for the morning and her meet and greet and she has like a speech later. At a success convention I put in quotes. I was like, <laughs> she's at a success convention speaking on how to be successful. Vague, 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 vague. <laughs> Very vague. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just kind of bullshit my way through it, and I guess everything worked out for me. Yeah. That'd be me. She let the successful Nora do all the work for her. Now she's just kind of... Reaping the benefits. Yeah. 
Exactly. She's amazed at her physical prowess and to the extent she's like, I'm going to do like a push-up. She does like 10 push-ups and it doesn't wind her at all. And she's like, wow, what is this life? And then she looks (laughs) at herself in the mirror and she's like, I am so fine. Like, look at me. I got like six-pack abs. I am fantastic. Yeah. Which I guess you would do if you were suddenly super duper ridiculously in shape after not being (laughs) in shape. I would. You'd have to do all this work. (laughs) She finds Dan and Izzy on social media. She's relieved that Izzy is still alive and Izzy is still in Australia. Thankfully. Dan is, I don't I forgot what was up with Dan. He was married to someone. Happily married, not bothering Nora. Let's just be clear on that. He's not yeah. bothering her. So yes. Nora's like, I guess I'm successful. So I'm going to Wikipedia myself. And she Wikipedia's herself. And she finds out that she went to the Olympics twice she specialized in freestyle swimming. Uh, she won a... Mm, the best stroke. Yeah, she won a gold in the 800-meter uh, freestyle, and she set a world record for eight minutes and five seconds. I don't know if that's fast or not. I don't know anything about swimming. Eight minutes and five seconds is the world record? For 800 meters? Well, that's like... It depends on the size of the pool. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to like think of how many laps that is. Depending on the size of the pool. I literally know nothing about swimming. I don't know. <laughs> was it a relay? I don't know. I think it was just freestyle. I think that's what it was. Okay. What it was. But I don't know. It kind of like <laughs> brought me back to the time when I used to swim. I don't even know what freestyle swimming is. It's a normal stroke that you do. Like Oh, I thought freestyle was like you do whatever you want to do. I was like, I'll doggy paddle the whole time. <laughs> it's like choose your favorite. <laughs> Could you imagine like Michael Phelps and me in a race? Like he'd be like, vroom, 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 and I'd be like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then she won a silver in the 400 meter uh, freestyle. I'm assuming freestyle thing um i play violin i don't know about swimming there was a there was a relay though in there so she probably did do freestyle in the relay who knows i don't know did did y'all swim have you guys ever done swim team no oh okay never mind i guess i'm the odd one out (laughs) i like well i like watching it in the olympics or like at a high professional level and so i can probably understand it up and like in that point of being the armchair observer of that but mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, it was base. It was that successful life. She had that success in terms of, you know, the work ethic and the drive and the dedication yeah. to be an athlete at a high level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then being a successful speaker as as well too. And I just marvel at in these lives. Sorry, just a side side note here. I understand for the the purpose of writing that they would have to make it where. The person who is, um, you know, changing lives here, in this case, Nora, she comes into her life and she has no idea what's happened before she got into the life. And then her after that's not going to know. Like, she just kind of comes in for these moments. And the stress I felt, <laughs> particularly in this life when she has to go on stage and speak, where, she, you know, you just have to kind of, like, uh, improvise your way through the life in, in that moment. Like I said, I totally understand why Matt Haig had to do it like that. But in uh, so, some of those moments in those lives, I was like, oh, I would have bailed out. Oh, I would have bailed out already. This, Same. Is, this is so scary. <laughs> this is so nerve wracking. And I think she does a fantastic job overall at, 
yeah, just improvising in those moments and being, I don't know, purposefully vague and things to go along with the conversation, just try and figure out what's going on as it's happening. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I would probably botch it and be like, who is this? What What's happening? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Yeah. Oh, I have to speak? No. <laughs> no, thanks. No, pass. <laughs> I feel like it helps in this chapter that she has a background in philosophy. Yes. Right? Yes. So she can like pull from that. Which is very helpful. And she, I like highlighted a part from her speech. I was like, this is pretty dope. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, life isn't a race you can win. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, and I was like, well, that's pretty profound. Of course, everyone's like, yeah, but how do we win? <laughs> right? Like, everyone in the audience is like, yeah, but like, why are you telling us this when you you won? So, right? And like, I feel like that's like kind of a, a mini reflection of what she probably thought in that day that before she, you know, as he puts it, like she decided to die, right? Like, oh, I've lost, like I've lost, you know, like I can't do this. And like the illusion of like what it means to like win at life is, is sort of, I think very like clearly conveyed in this moment, but also on like a a broader Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what she gets out of this life for sure. She's basically just, like, super successful. Not only is she a Olympian swimmer, but she does, like, a bunch of other stuff. She does, like, TV shows and, like, coaching and wrote a book. And she's also, like, a philanthropist. She has that self-guru TED Talk that she looks up. She gets this call from a woman named Nadia who sounds overly familiar. And she's like, I don't know who Nadia is. And Nadia's like do you want to talk to your dad? And Nora is like obviously Gasp. shook because apparently her dad died of, was it like a heart attack? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a few years before. So she's like, uh, yeah, are you kidding? I'd love to talk to him. And he gets on the phone and she's just like so shook. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm just emotional. I just miss you and I love you. And he's like, what the fuck is happening? Because <laughs> he doesn't, you know, he didn't die <laughs> in yeah. this life. You get the idea that some mental breakdown or something happened in Portugal. Yeah, we never find out, which no, I was really curious about, too, because I was like, what happened in Portugal? Can you please explain, Matt? <laughs> we, need to know. we get the background info that Nadia, or via context clues and via Nora looking herself up on Wikipedia, that Nadia is her stepmom. And her dad cheated on her mom with Nadia. And Nadia is the mom of, like, another olympian swimmer from like a different country or something uh so that's how they met and she's like wow so if i kept on swimming i would have ruined my parents marriage she goes swimming herself to get some of the angst and some of the emotion out of the way but then she realizes that her parents weren't made for each other like their marriage and her root life was like they stayed together but it wasn't a happy marriage and it's not their fault they couldn't love each other or sorry love her unconditionally because they couldn't even like love each other conditionally um, mm-hmm. Which I feel like is is a good message to learn, or not a message, but a good thing to learn. It's like your parents aren't perfect, yeah, and that's not a reflection on you or yourself. I feel like that's something we all kind of learn in our maybe teens, twenties. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that your parents are human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just people. They're just people. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like you. <laughs> mm-hmm. She meets Joe and some other professional people in the lobby. Um, she seems to have a good relationship with Joe, but she finds out that he is her manager. And she's like, are you kind of with me because I help make you rich? Or are you with me because you're my brother and you love me? 
Mm-hmm. Fair. I mean, they don't really have a good relationship in her root life, so she's probably like, why are you here? Why are you talking to me? Why are we, like, cordial again? Mm-hmm. And also she's, like, a famous, I mean, technically, like, famous celebrity athlete. Like, from my background info on <laughs> past celebrity families, you know, sometimes not everything is peachy keen in those relationships. Yeah. So Yeah. Fair questions to ask. What do they say? Yeah. Appearances aren't everything or something along those lines? Appear- There's some saying that's, like, Appearances are fake or something. Uh, aren't aren't everything? Appearances uh, aren't everything? Appearances aren't everything, maybe. That was what my brain told me to say, and I was like, uh, is that right, though? I don't know. I was about to say objects <laughs> may seem nearer than where they appear, but that's like... <laughs> that's for your mirrors, Catherine. You know what? That, too, right? Yes. It's also yeah. for, like, hindsight, I think. Yeah. Can use that. Yeah. So uh, she has a conversation with Joe. I guess this is when they're like getting ready for this speech that she's supposed to make, and suddenly it's dawning on her like, I don't know how to be successful. Like, I don't know how to do any of this. What are we talking about? He's totally different than he is in her root life. Like, he's happy and he's straight edge, and uh, he went to college and he loved college and he hated college and her root life. And he's like, yeah, you would be successful in any other life that you had, because I guess in every life that Nora has, she seems like she brings up the concept of like, well, what if there was another life? And Joe's like, there's literally no way you wouldn't be successful. And Nora's like, ha, <laughs> funny story. <laughs> Just came from there. <laughs> it ain't pretty. And she drops some quotes about like, henry david thoreau i think and joe's like where did that come from and he's like oh i didn't do philosophy or even like read books in this life because i was too busy swimming and i kind of related to that because i was one of those kids when i was in elementary school where they were like oh my god you're so smart and gifted we're gonna put you in all the advanced classes and i'm like oh my god i'm so smart and gifted and then i did all like these ap and honors classes and i was a bookworm and i read, you know, five grade levels ahead of what I was. And then I went to music school and I stopped doing everything besides playing violin. And then I became an adult and then I became depressed because I didn't get the symphony job. And I'm like, what do I do now? So um, it took the pandemic to like rediscover my love of reading and love of doing things that aren't music. So it is something that happens to you when you were really pushed mm-hmm. down this one path. You kind of forget to enjoy yeah. everything else in life. Uh, true. Very true, because that's something that I've been living through for the last uh, mm-hmm. good while. <laughs> I can't really think about the amount of years, but I definitely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I think similarly, I don't know, as a musician, it's like very single focus, where for me, that's like all I did because I was like very much not in the gifted program at school. So I was like, this is the only thing I'm good at. I have to do this thing. And so then for because no one, no adult was like, hey, you should do something else. They're like, wow, you're so talented. You know, it's like the feedback you get kind of goes in a loop. And I think it's just interesting that her parents were split on her like doing one thing or another, like someone really pushed for one. And that was actually, you know, the case for me and my parents, too, where it's like one wanted me to do music and one didn't want me to do music. So it's like. It's like I feel like that dynamic shifts things around as well where it's like, well, 
this is the only thing I've been told that I'm good at, so I should just do this thing because the feedback I'm getting, like, I'm not I'm not really doing anything else, you know? And so I feel like I, I could totally see someone going down this path of, like, being successful, but I feel like, once again, we get, like, the nuance of, like, the day-to-day of, like, oh, relationships maybe don't survive this stuff or, like, the all of the dynamics of life instead of just being, like, I'm successful, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think – I don't know. I think that this is portray- – this chapter in particular really, like, got to me a little. I was, like, oh, yeah. That's, like, an interesting thought to think where it's, like, oh, I wonder, like, how it would affect the people around me if I had made mm-hmm. a different choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nora learns that her mom died uh, not close to her kids, which made me so sad. Like when she was thinking about her mom and her root life, like saying, "Like I don't know where I would be without you" or something like that. Like that's what her mom said when she was dying of cancer, and it just made me so sad because I was like, her poor mom was alone. Yeah. Also, like she just—it seemed like she just declined throughout, you know. I guess Nora's success and it seemed like I guess like it seemed like she her brother and her dad all like thrived off Nora's success where her mom is just kind of shafted it just I don't know if I like lived a life like I kind of imagined like like what if I were in Nora's place and I definitely would feel just heartbroken and sad and kind of like I don't want this life at all yeah, and I kind of think that's when she starts feeling some disappointment mm-hmm. um, in this life, or at least majorly to affect her placement in this life. Mm-hmm. She also like um, is talking to her brother, and she realizes that she still takes antidepressants in this life, and she's like, well, even though I'm a wild success, like my brain chemistry is still fucked. That's great. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some things that yeah. play across the lives. Well, with her, with the antidepressants, like, keep, like, popping up, it just, like, reminds me, like, you know, just because, like, you're in this different life, does it mean that, like, everything from your root life is completely gone? Like, there's still going to be things that are still going to pop up from your root life. And I feel like that's kind of happening in this mm-hmm. book right now a little bit. Like, bits and pieces. I, I forgot about the antidepressants. So mm-hmm. when you brought that up, I was like, oh, like, that just makes me think. Like, it just keeps popping up. Because it popped up in one of her other lives, too, I believe. Okay, I don't take antidepressants, but I have a ton of people close to me that do. Family and friends and stuff. But a lot of people who have antidepressants who take them, oftentimes they're resistant to taking them because they're like, wow, something is wrong with me that I need, like, these pills to keep me happy or keep me less anxious or whatever. And it's just like, it's not you. It's just your brain chemistry it's just like if you had like i have asthma you know when my lungs feel weird when i'm running i gotta do that inhaler otherwise breathing's gonna suck um i have pcos so i have to take uh the whatever the incital powder is to help my ovaries function correctly so that way i don't get (laughs) diabetes (laughs) later in life so it's like you have to do these things for like your normal physical health like your brain is just an organ (laughs) Yeah. Like, you don't got to beat yourself up about it. Yeah. I say that all the time. Like, when, like, because that's all I talk about is the brain. I think I actually <laughs> might have got that quote from you, Kelsey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I might have said it last time on the podcast or something. But, yeah, like, your brain is totally just an organ. And I love that, like, 
I don't know if this is like a, a little too like philosophical to go into, but I feel like it's kind of related. I feel I've heard on a podcast once, I forget what it was, it was several years ago, and they were like calling into question the concept of free will because your brain is just chemicals so your brain in these circumstances will always do the same thing right right? because Mm -hmm. that's just the chemicals that exist and so is there free will or are we all just Mm -hmm. kind of like chemicals that choose based on all of the things we've like experienced before and like all that stuff so I was like thinking about that in the context of this too where I was just like huh I feel like I like to think in that way sometimes because I'm like, if I'm beating myself for up for like not wanting to do something I did in the past, I'm like, you know, I did the best with what I had, you know? So I don't know. That's It's definitely not relevant to this because it's definitely like not a, not a reality-based book, but I just <laughs> wanted to bring it up. I mean, I think it is relevant. You can see how based in philosophy it is and then how pro-mental health Matt is. I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. I thought about recently listening to another another podcast that literally the only reason we feel love is just chemicals that are made for us to breed. That's all love is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of wild, like when you really think about it. Like survival, yeah. <laughs> it's nature. I feel like I'm like, read like philosophy and like nature. I'm seeing a lot of like, oh, this is human nature and animalistic and stuff like that. And I'm like... I feel like I'm a caveman <laughs> surviving in the planet right now. I mean, that's basically that's like, what we are. We like to think that we're like better yeah. than animals, and we're not. I think I just caught off Chelsea doing saying the same thing because yeah, I'm a dick. <laughs> Chelsea has mentioned stuff like this before in her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love thinking that like our just our brain software is not up to date, and so like <laughs> we're interpreting like sending an email with like being so like scared of an animal in the woods like it like feels that real sometimes but we're like but it's not but I feel like that really does complicate so many mental health issues because we don't have that context we're not like told like oh yeah you're afraid of rejection not because like it's embarrassing like feeling those things aren't actually going to kill you but your Mm -hmm. body thinks it will yeah (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it feels so bad you know anyway I digress no it's perfect (laughs) really (laughs) so she's just like well I guess I have to do this talk so after trying to convince her brother to not let her do the talk because she's like I feel like I'm gonna have a panic attack she does the talk and it's basically what you all said earlier where it's just uh, she's talks about how like life is a tree and you have all these branches of like parallel lives going off the tree and it's a really insightful talk and she while she's talking she's looking at her arms or her hands or something and she sees like a self-harm scar and she's like well I she's like in this life I'm still maybe mm-hmm. not suicidal but hate myself or like my mental health is not healthy enough to the fact that I want to do self-harm um so she's like and what is success anyway? <laughs> and it can't be measured and everything's a sham. And then she's like... She called it like a delusion or something. And yeah, pieced yeah. out. And faded away. <laughs> like literally, she pieced out and went back to the midnight library. It will be so <laughs> cringy to still sit there in the audience and see Nora like when she kind of like snaps back to herself. Like after she leaves. It's like, what happened? What happened? And I'm on stage. <laughs> It's probably recorded and on YouTube mm-hmm. on all the platforms mm-hmm. by this point. Yeah. It's viral. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's just staring off into space for, like, five seconds. And she was paid, like, $15,000 to be there. <laughs> yeah, we got our fee upped. <laughs> Give me $15,000 to speak. <laughs> so much money. Oh. She goes back to the library, and there's a system error. There's, um, the lights are flashing all over the library, and Mrs. Elm's, like, computer is acting weird, and Nora's like, what's going on? What's going on? And Mrs. Elm's, like, not responding to her at all until Nora, like, taps her or something, and she's like, there's a possibility that something's happening on the outside that might destroy the library. It makes me wonder, is, like, she in a coma? Did someone find her body, like, in a coma right now? And that's why it's, like, chaos. You didn't finish the book. I haven't finished the book yet, so don't tell me. <laughs> I would just say no. Yeah. No. I'm okay. Just, yeah. Okay. I would imagine that it's, like, just unconscious, maybe? Because I was just thinking, like, okay. Was kind of what I was thinking when I was reading this for the first time. I, I just figured, like, okay, if, if this is, like, happening where, like, it's, like, her brute life is kind of, like, something's happening in that life right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe just, like, wonder, is she just, like, a vessel, basically, in her brute life? Just, she overdosed on the pills. She's, like, in her apartment. She called her brother, which makes me think, like, did her brother come in and, like, call 911? And now she's, like, hooked up to some tubes in a hospital bed. That's why it kind of, like shattered a little bit who knows i don't know that's just what i'm visualizing right now but yeah. i'll find out in eight hours so. i would say with and this won't spoil anything but i would say just in just in, the, in terms of in the part that we're talking about in part two today and later when we talk about hugo i'm sure i almost think of it like you know when you dream and you have a dream that you feel like you've spent an entire day on a quest. You're like, I swear I was in said dream world for three days questing. I don't know. I don't know what people do in their dreams. And I don't know what this motion was. Reminds me of Inception. <laughs> right. And and you have such a – you feel like you're in something for such a long time. But you w- would wake up and you're like, oh, I was actually just asleep for 20 minutes or something. I kind of think of it like that because that is a – a question that would pop in my mind a couple of times of being like, they say there's this gray area between life and death and that's where this midnight library is or this is where this gray zone is of life changing, life swapping. And there's a lot of emphasis on the fact that it's like midnight and it stays midnight too. So Yeah. That's how yeah. my brain had to make sense of that because she's taken pills, right? That's what she overdoses on. Yeah. Yeah. She- yeah. I try not to jump ahead too much, but then Hugo says he's in a hospital with a brain aneurysm. So there's two things that are, you know, potentially going to kill these two characters, but there are potentially longer spans of time with that. So my brain went, okay, mm-hmm. I'll think of it like a dream. I think I super duper yeah. over explained that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kat, but that's how I thought of it because I understand what your what your question oh, yeah, was okay. there, and I was like, I thought of it like a dream. If that helps yeah. in any way, okay. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking too, because I was, because I was just like sitting there and I'm like, is she dreaming then? Like, is this all in her head? Is this all a dream? I'm kind of like, in my head, I'm kind of thinking like, is this the ending? But I don't want I. I 
really trying hard not to spoil it for myself and like go on wikipedia and look up this ending you're like the kid in the car who's like are we there yet when there's like 200 miles left on the road trip i do it all the time like i just i don't want to spoil it i want to keep it like a surprise until we get to the next episode but yeah trying to think of things that's how i thought of the passing of time if that's helpful trying to think of things in terms of like how little time you have but how it still feels like a long time so that's yeah okay yeah that makes sense yeah also time is a human construct (laughs) time is a circle right weren't you saying (laughs) really is that's the episode i listed you're like time Mm -hmm. yeah yeah time time is a flat circle (laughs) 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 yeah so mrs um says that there's a possibility that she's dying nora thinks she's like oh god yeah i'm dying i don't want to die and she's like i felt so alive when i was swimming mrs um is like ah 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 you don't seem suicidal anymore. And Nora's like, actually, I am. And Nassim's like, mm, okay. Um, <laughs> Nora feels that she doesn't want to die. And then, like, the library sort of stabilizes. And then she decides that she wants a life where her mom is alive. But that's not how the library works. <laughs> yeah. Nora's like, or there's too many characters. There, there are two <laughs> characters and there's too many. Miss Elm's like, yeah, the library doesn't work like that because your mom was going to die either way because she had cancer and it, you couldn't control that. Um, and she's like, well, you know, my parents never supported me doing anything academic. They only supported my swimming, or at least my dad did. And my mom never really supported me with anything, which is sad. So she's like, let me be a glaciologist. So she goes and studies glaciers because I guess that's something people do. This is where I would definitely be like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. Get me out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. Oh, we see that doesn't work, though. Exactly. It doesn't work. She's in Svalbard. Svalbard? Sure. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. Norway. <laughs> we love your country. I am a proud and ignorant American who can only pronounce <laughs> three things. <laughs> She wakes up and she's like in this room, I guess, and everything's just like kind of dingy and her hands smell like tobacco and it's cold AF. Like she's wearing seven layers of things and it's freezing and she's like, what the actual hell is happening? And she's with this woman named Ingrid and there's bottles of vodka on the floor and Ingrid's like, yeah, you know, we had like a wild night. Well, let's go and have breakfast, I guess. And... Uh, Nora's like, man, I wish I still had my Olympic bod because she like coughs and she's like, everything hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, that's a mood. There are 17 other people on the boat and there's this dude named Hugo who is uh, talking to her and he's just like super amazed on her paper on pulsating glaciers, whatever that means. I only play violin, so I don't really understand any of this. Anybody is a glaciologist, let us know. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know glaciers pulsated. Well, apparently that was new also, you know, for all of them, oh. right? Isn't that what Hugo said? I, oh. I wasn't sure if, like, the concept was new or if it was just, like, oh. a new aspect of pulsating glaciers. I don't know. Knowing academia, it was probably a new aspect. I just didn't know glaciology was a thing, to be honest. I don't study glaciers that well. And... Oh, you don't? Why? That's actually why we right. brought you on this episode. 
<laughs> I am a glaciologist. <laughs> All right, Catherine, you give us the rundown of this section. You know what's up. It's ice. Nope. <laughs> We're off to a good start. <laughs> You're like Nora when she's trying to explain her paper. Um, so we have ice. Yep. <laughs> sounds accurate, actually. So Nora's like trying to have a casual conversation with him while not giving anything away that she's completely clueless as to what's going on. And Hugo says that they've been on the ship for three days and she's doing spotter duty. And we're like, what's spotter duty? And it turns out that she is Mm -hmm. the polar bear spotter for when they're, I guess, off literally looking slash testing glaciers and stuff. Because polar bears are like one of the most dangerous land mammals. Even though they don't yeah. look like it. They look very nice. I know. They're my favorite animal. I, I'm kind of heartbroken <laughs> that they're so angry and deadly. <laughs> Have you tried offering them your mindset classes? Um, no, but I'll keep that in mind if I run into one. I probably won't do that. <laughs> I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah. If you decide to go to the Arctic Circle, just let them know. <laughs> I won't. It's too cold. By the way, I'm a mindset coach. Don't eat me. <laughs> <laughs> you seem angry. <laughs> Have you tried not polar bear sauce? I'm like, no, actually. Oh, wow. That's something to consider. Did you know your brain is just an organ? No, we don't need to explain that to animals. They already know. <laughs> they know that. <laughs> they do know that. <clears throat> so she's observing there's a whole system they have to do in case there is a polar bear she's supposed to fire a flare gun up in the air to basically warn everyone that there's a polar bear there and then she has to yell and bang like pots and pans really loud and then if that doesn't work she needs to shoot it that just doesn't seem like safe at all (laughs) and also she botches it completely too (laughs) so i don't know yeah i mean it's not a great Scenario. Defense mechanism. No. <laughs> Just bang this pot and it will scare the bear away. The first time I was reading this, I was like, no, don't shoot it. Polar bears are in danger. And then I'm like, wait a second. They're like scientists who probably have like a zillion million permits and licenses to be there. And that's literally one of the things that they have to do. Because it's not like they can justify losing a million scientists to this one polar bear that's hungry. Yeah. There's not much food up there either. To no. Be fair. Because global warming. Thank goodness for glaciologists, then. <laughs> yes, thank yes. Hopefully they can give us some answers. She has some observations on loneliness and solitude that I thought were interesting, and she reflects mm-hmm. on how, you know, there's, like, no one and nothing around, and she just has a chance to, like, reflect on being by herself and enjoying it instead of just feeling lonely in a city. And she's like, when there's a lot of people around and you're not interacting with anyone be- and that makes you feel lonely versus, like choosing to be by yourself in nature or just choosing to be by yourself in nature and like how to enjoy your own company i thought that was really insightful and probably something that all of us can take something from because i know before i started talking to chelsea as someone who's just like yeah i'm just high energy like i just have to do stuff all the time and really it's just because like my brain's going like a zillion miles an hour and i need something to preoccupy my brain before it goes into like anxiety mode (laughs) what really got me into becoming a coach was like I was not able to just sit by myself I was like I always had to have a podcast on 
love podcasts. But, like, I would use them to, like, literally be like, okay, well, if I sit down for two seconds, I'm going to think about all the horrible things that I am, you know? And, like, so I can't do that. And so we're just going to not. And we're just going to work. And, like, classical music is very conducive mm-hmm. to just, like, not stopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're really mm-hmm. rewarded for it. So I feel like... I love I did highlight literally this paragraph Brittany that you mentioned <laughs> and and so I was like yeah and I live in New York so like it's the epitome of like busy city like you want to be out there with people but I think that also has to do with like expectation of like oh I should be out there with people oh those people are their lives are better than mine because they're out there you know instead of like intentionally wherever you are just being like chill with yourself no matter the mm-hmm. circumstance yeah 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 well I guess while she's by herself she's thinking about her mom and how her mom had ovarian cancer and how she was like admitted into surgery and Nora was waiting for her during the surgery and she's like really anxious so she was talking to a surgeon named Ash who was kind of talking to her about surgeries in general. And I know this is something that I do in doctor's offices. I'm that annoying patient who's like, and what are we doing now? And why are we doing this? And tell me all the surgeries you've done and what have you botched in your life? I don't know if it's like wanting to know everything or if it's like an anxious tick. It's probably a little bit of both. (laughs) But I don't know how they get from that conversation. But then they start talking about like social media and how having social media and just like instant access to everything has really made people as a whole feel more isolated. And I'm like, yeah, I feel Mm -hmm. like we read this in a lot of self-help books the past two years. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all felt this like within the last, like, Ooh, I'm going to say like eight, nine years or like maybe even more, at least for me, like sometimes I feel like I'm more on social media than I am interacting with people. Yeah. Um, And I felt that way for many years. And like, Sometimes I think, I guess like more recently, I've, I'm trying to find that balance, you know, of being with people in real life, but also communicating with people on social media. Because for a time, especially during COVID, it was mm-hmm. just really just social media. It is very lonely. And especially when you're looking at other people, like, you know, taking pictures with friends or hanging out with other people or like bringing out some like successes. It really does feel like isolating when you're mm-hmm. at home and you're scrolling through and you're seeing everything like this person's doing that and this person's doing that and you're like I was at home today scrolling mm-hmm. through Instagram I definitely understand like what Ash was talking about and have feel it every now and then and I think that's also why like I've kind of like limited my social media time as well like putting limits and kind of like reminding myself that social media isn't everything yeah you know absolutely so even though I love it it does connect people which is great but it isn't your whole life Mm -hmm. she hears a noise and it turns out it's just a walrus thank god and she hears another noise and it turns out it's not a walrus run Shoot the flare gun in the sky, not towards the bear. Literally, the chapter ends at the noise, and then there's, like, a next chapter that's called <laughs> A Moment of Extreme Crisis in the Middle of Nowhere, and it's just, oh, fuck. And then it's the next yeah. tra- chapter. <laughs> For real. I like the way that he writes and separates chapters into, mm-hmm. like, thoughts more than, like, actual chapters. It is more, it's more engaging, mm-hmm. I find it. 
Yeah, I love how this section was written because it was literally written in, I feel like, a terror mindset and it made me very anxious to read it. Because <laughs> the whole time it's just, yeah. oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Like, between <laughs> stuff that she's doing, she's like, I'm going to die. Yeah. And she's like, Mrs. Yeah. Elm, send me back. Send me back. <laughs> in all caps. Just <laughs> like, I didn't sign up for this. It just... Makes me wonder, like, is Miss Mrs. Elma just like sitting on that computer, like watching her entire <laughs> time? Like, okay, like let's just yeah. like you know give you a few more minutes. Let's, You're fine. Let's see if you survive. She's watching it, yeah, and being like, hey, let's just give her one more minute. Let's just really let her feel her feel- feelings with that. Yeah. Like, get the fear, let her panic. But yeah, yeah, I sit with those feelings for a bit, <laughs> trying to teach her a life lesson. <laughs> It reminds me of all those, like, movies where, like, or I guess, like, like Scrooge or something like, like that, right? It's, like, like the ghost of Christmas past and present and future or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> or, like, there's an episode of Boy Meets World. Don't know if anyone watched that as a kid. <laughs> where, like, you know, Mr. Phoenix is, like, in Eric's imagination, you know, and he's, like, oh, no one else can see me because, like, I'm just a figment of your imagination. This, like, it has Mrs. Yeah. Elm vibes, you know, like, mm-hmm. I feel like all this <laughs> similar. So I'm, like, maybe she's just, like, constructed in her mind. I don't know. But Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> so she freezes, fires the flare gun, nothing works. Uh, she bangs the pots and pans and yells at the bear, and she's... And, of course, the bear is still, like, walking towards her because it's a motherfucking polar bear. (laughs) Don't give a shit about your pots and pans. (laughs) (laughs) And she's yelling. She's like, Miss Elm, take me. This is funny. Like, LOL, but (laughs) I want to live. And then at that point, she's like, I don't want to die. And she starts yelling, like, I don't want to die at the bear. The bear, I guess, is just like, eh, bye. (laughs) And she wasn't able to get her a gun because the gun was too far away. Which made me, like, wonder, was she just, like, walking around and, like... Yeah, she said she was, like, walking around okay. to keep warm. Because I think one of the oh. chapters was... Oh, yeah. A couple chapters ago, is called Walking in Circles. Because yeah. Hugo was, like, make sure you walk in circles oh. to stay warm. Okay. Well, next time, bring the gun with yeah. you, Nora. Yeah, it's, it's a shotgun. It probably has one of those, like, slings. That's what I would assume. Yeah. But I don't yeah. have a gun, so I wouldn't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I play violin. I'm not a I'm not a gun owner, gunsmith, gunsmith. gun person. Guns. I don't gunsmith. know whatever the word word words are hard. Um yeah, she just realizes that she can't be like scared and go back to the library, so it's not like a as needed basis. And then the next few chapters she's just like in shock <laughs> that not that she survived the polar bear, but that she wants to live. And she realizes mm-hmm. that there's more to life in the world than just herself. There's a whole section where she talks about how climate change is happening the fastest wherever they are in the Arctic. And how she has, like, a family history of disappointment. Like, one of, I think it was, like, her mom's parents got married too young. But they fought. And they fought. <laughs> and then they had her her mom and then like her dad's parents like her dad's dad died or mom died at like a young age or something and the other parent was just kind of like not really present and she's like 
you know, my life was just kind of set up to be mediocre at best. And that was just my lot to play in life. And she realizes now that she wants to be alive, that that's not something that was like genetically inherited from her parents. That's not the thing, the role that she had to play. She's like, I actually love my parents for all their faults. And I guess I should maybe consider loving myself with all of my faults, question mark. Mm-hmm. They have dinner in this uh, city or town or place called Long Year Bin. Long Year, Long Year, Long Year Bin. Are these real places? I imagine I'm just so. wondering. I didn't look it up on the map when I was reading this. I would think so. Because that particular place is like the northernmost city in the Arctic Circle or something like that, I think they mentioned. Oh. So I figured that yes. one might Yeah, be. you're right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I said that with a certain level of confidence. I don't know. You're probably right. But... <laughs> yeah. I was like, should I look this up on a map and like see like geographically? Like where is this? I imagine it's like in the Arctic. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not a mapologist, so I don't know. I would also assume that just because we can't pronounce it doesn't mean that they don't exist. Amen to that. True. So they have dinner in this place, and Hugo basically confronts her, and he's like, you're not the same Nora you used to be. And Nora's like, what are you talking about? But also don't be on to me, no. This was a plot twist for me. I literally was sitting there, and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Are we getting like more of this like universe lore where there's like more people? Do they fall in love? Like... I was actually pretty stumped <laughs> at this part, so just saying. <laughs> and he says that he's been jumping lives too. He had like what he's like almost to three hundred, and I was like, dude, you're never going to leave. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just like a life collector yeah. at that point, almost like just to experience everything. Which I think yeah. she makes a sort of comment mm-hmm. close to that, as he seems. Look, ladies, Hugo seems hot. But <laughs> vaguely irritating, you know. There's something about him where you're reading about him, and you're like, "Yes, you like, mm, probably be a good conversation for a short period of time." But there's something, yeah, vaguely arrogant and kind of irritating about him. I mean, it used to be the saying of like, with people like that, where you just put the paper bag over their head and you're good. <laughs> just a one night stand with a paper bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's, he's, like, so comfortable. Like, he's just comfortable being where he is. And he's he doesn't want... And he even explains something that he's okay with what he's doing because I think he doesn't really care if he dies. Yeah. Like, no. in his root life, if he dies, if he dies, like, in one of those lives, he's like, at least I, like lived as many as I could mm-hmm. or something like that. And He calls yeah. people who jump between lives sliders. Sliders, yeah. They slide right into their life. And apparently his thing is that it's not a library and a librarian. It's a VHS store and his uncle. I love that, <laughs> by the way. I was going to ask you, because at first when he said, she said, oh, mine's a library. And he's like, oh, mine's a video store. You know. And before I read that there are even more locations than that, I was thinking, oh, what would, what would mine be? Would mine be a video store or a library? But we also yeah. have art gallery, restaurant, casino, like a few different places. Like, I don't know, I wonder, especially you guys as mus- musicians, like, hmm. could it be sheet music? Could it be different 
songs music or library. music yeah like a record store music or something library. like that you know like like here let's put this record on and you know or I don't know yeah. it's, I think that was really an interesting little twist I had forgotten about from the first time I read that but stood out more to me now even though there's no quote-unquote purpose to it but I was like mm-hmm. I, I liked the creativity of it I guess yeah <clears throat> everyone has their own personalized library of some sort I feel like mine will probably be like a bookstore because mm-hmm. as a kid that was like my favorite thing was going to like Barnes Noble or Borders and just mm-hmm. like sitting there and you know you weren't supposed to like read the books before you bought them but I would I would take the comics and read them <laughs> um and I would just sit there because I was a fast reader so I would just read everything and my parents would just be like wandering around and I'd be like low-key stealing all these books <laughs> mental theft I think yeah I think mine would probably be a borders with an attached Starbucks plus side with a coffee yeah like here's your tea and here's your new life open up your book and you can I don't know maybe yeah yeah (laughs) because he Hugo says that it has to be something that was like important to you especially in like your fundamental years Mm -hmm. and with an adult Mm -hmm. who was important to you in the moment of need Oh, mine would probably be, like, a music library of some sort with, like, a teacher of mine, most likely. Yeah. It makes sense. You can just visualize it. Yeah. How about you, Chelsea? Not to put you on the spot or anything, but I was like, I wonder, I'm curious, I'm just deeply curious about things like that. (laughs) I think mine would have been some sort of, like, CD store or, like... CD warehouse? I won't say, like... CD or tape, like cassette tape, like those were my modes of of listening. It would probably have been like, you know, like my babysitter in my formative years. She was like kind of like a second grandmother to me. I feel like she has Mrs. Elm vibes. (laughs) But yeah, it's so interesting. It's like, huh, where would I have like loved to go as a kid? But I'm like, yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah, I feel like mine would probably be my first violin teacher, my my librarian. Mm-hmm. I had her from like sixth grade to senior year of high school, so there's a lot of stuff that gets done there in those years. What about you, Laurel? Yeah. What would yours person and place be? I would think probably a library as well, um, or some some place with books. Um, I feel like that would be. The location, in terms of the person, uh, honestly, it would probably be either my paternal grandmother or probably my music teacher in high school because I was with them a lot and high school's tough for like a lot of people and especially for me it was. I think like the, like having my band instructor in, in there might fit either one of those I think in terms of like family it might have been grandma and like an, an other person outside the family maybe Mr. Widener maybe wait you're a musician uh, well <laughs> I would love to say yes uh but you were I was quite a long time ago I think you played did you play the saxophone I think you mentioned that in one of your episodes I did. yeah recently and Ooh. I was like what you played the saxophone <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because I actually, I have a, a listener and Instagram follower who was the same in terms of he played saxophone for ages. And uh, I said, oh, I knew I liked you. Yeah, <laughs> we find, you know, you find each other. But uh, that he has his in his basement, too. And he's like, one day we're going to have to get it out and just 
Like, I mean, the read, it, like, I, f- I actually have, like, a read in there. I saw one a couple years back when I was moving stuff. I was like, one, ew, that's, I mean, it's got to be at least 15 years old, 20, maybe. Uh, oh, right? Word. The mole, I mean, everything's wrong with that. Yeah, so alto saxophone was my instrument. Nice. Nice. Up. And, yeah, you guys know, like, music being in classes and those teachers being big parts of mm-hmm. your life, especially when you are involved in music so heavily <laughs> you know through those mm-hmm. formative years mm-hmm. i think that might be my my person they get into like some really heavy physics talks here where they talk about like universal wave function and parallel lives which made me wonder is this real like is this <laughs> yeah, a real theory real. I, I never did physics so i kind of like skipped on that throughout all of my education i kind of wish i did physics to be honest i feel like with sound especially that would have been really helpful for teaching but <laughs> Yeah, I was sitting there and I was like, should I look this up on Google and see if this is real? This is where I kind of feel like get a little bit freaked out and <laughs> inception-y. So I was like, oh. It's basically just like the, the scientific explanation of how parallel lives could work is the basic gist of it. And they talk about Schrodinger's cat, you know, the cat you put in the box, but is the cat alive or dead? And you don't know until you open the box and you see that the cat's alive because why would you put a dead cat in a box, you cruel monster? But they're like, even if you open the box, like in theory, the cat could still be alive or dead because like different people's perceptions of the event or if there's like parallel lives and stuff and in one life, the cat could be dead and in another life, the cat could be alive. So it gets really meta. And they do talk about the gray zone between life and death, which is there's a book on Goodreads that I found that looks really interesting. And this is actually a new, new, relatively like scientific discovery that there is a gray zone between life and death. There was a huge paper written around like 2018 that people who are in like a vegetative state perceive everything that we perceive. Uh, Like they hear everything, they still like sense everything but they could be, like, living life differently than how we perceive it. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, this gray zone between life and death, and there's, like, this really interesting book on it and, like, what that could mean and what that could look like. So, Do you happen to know offhand roughly what the title might be? She says with pen in hand. (laughs) I know. I was like, I'm about to read Goodreads. (laughs) Send the link. Because I have heard stuff like that, but... I've heard it from, so this is a totally like woo-woo spiritualism sort of perception of it. No, but, this was like super science-y. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, in terms of like, I've, I've heard similar oh, things thing. from like the non-science, more of like a spiritualism sense of where they have talked about that. So it's interesting to have science looking at that and sort of being able to give a scientific explanation <laughs> on something like yeah. that. I'll drop the the link into our chat and I will post it in our show notes. But it's called Into the Gray Zone by Adrian Owen. Ah, spelled G-R-E-Y. Yeah, G-R-E-Y. I was about to say (laughs) A or E because I never know. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So if you want to deep dive into some science-y, nerdy stuff... Um, yeah, it. I found that last night. 
That's what I was getting up to. How well did you sleep after that? <laughs> uh, actually, fine. Oh, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he also says that the librarian could represent God or be like an oversimplification of just something that we can't fathom and understand. And then Matt gets all meta about how people do that anyway. Like we see a tree, which is a very complex organism. And we're just like our dumb lizard brains are like, that's a tree. But in reality, it's like doing all these things like synopsis and photosynthesis and it's drinking water. And we can't see like, you know, a good part of the tree because it has roots and there's just a lot going on there. And yeah, yeah, I loved that part. It's like everything humans see is a simplification. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's pretty true. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times like where we get down like in from my like mindset coaching perspective like where we get down really negative rabbit holes is when we oversimplify like that was bad that was good it's like very like all or nothing thinking Mm -hmm. like I sort of jotted down like people see what's easiest for them to understand I don't know if I don't think it was exactly in here in those words but I feel like that's probably true like if I you know, this happened to me earlier. I posted something on Instagram and someone got mad about it. <laughs> and and I was like, okay, well, they're not able to see what I see about what I said. I don't think that there's so much, you know, difference between us that, like, we both don't, like, have, like, similar ways of thinking. We're both flutists. Like, there's a lot in common there. But I feel like it's like, oh, well, sometimes some people have to see – what's easiest for them to comprehend or else they just can't like process Mm -hmm. things and I feel like that was a great way to like convey that life is way more nuanced than you know we perceive it to be a lot of the times and the more simple we get I think the more like all or nothing our thinking starts to become yeah Mm -hmm. and you can also think about it like audio files like web files are the least compressed files and they have like the most substance but the more that you compress a file if you compress it to mp3 or even more to like mp4 aac you're losing stuff from those files basically what it does is it starts clipping you know the very top like the quality of the very top pitches and the very low pitches stuff that we can't hear and then it does start getting into things that we do hear that's why if you listen to like if you're constantly streaming on Spotify or whatever, and then you turn on a vinyl or a CD, like the, it sounds so much warmer and more full because suddenly there's all these overtones that you are not used to hearing. Oversimplification for understanding purposes is similar to compressing music files or really any audio file. You do it because it's space efficient and it's easy and it makes sense, but you're not always getting the best product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that example that you just brought with like audio and podcasting. Hi, my name is Brittany Ross and I edit our podcast. <laughs> you do. You do some great work with it. Very nice Thanks, job. Thanks, babe. Thanks. Thanks. While they're being all hot and heavy in science, they're also hardcore flirting. They're like, could there be a life where we meet and we are together? And maybe we're married and maybe we're deeply in love. Like... This is where, like, the string music in the background starts, like, elevating a little bit. It's, like, super romantic. Like, they just found love. And then... Not quite. And then he says that the only reason he's still in this life is for her. And then they kiss. And I'm just like, all right. (laughs) 
And I was like, they're gonna bone. And then they <laughs> did bone, but it was disappointing. And I realized I wasn't reading Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Everything was disappointing about that. I mean, it was disappointing for her in the moment. She's like, this isn't even good. I don't even like this. And bye. She was like thinking about existential philosophy while she was getting railed. And I'm just like... It happens. You know, I mean, we've all been there. You're like, you're not in the mood. And you're like, hmm, I'm going to get for groceries tomorrow. (sighs) (sighs) Got to get some milk and bread. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, honey, it's not you. It's me. I'm just thinking about milk and bread. Milk and bread. (laughs) (laughs) Just doing Uh, a mental grocery list in my head. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, yeah he she says that it doesn't really seem that intimate like he doesn't really seem into it and she's like i wonder if all of his life skipping has just made him not present in the lives that he's living Mm -hmm. could be yeah Um, that seems true and there's a like go ahead oh just like that you'd have to really not get attached to anybody Mm -hmm. yeah because it could end there was like something mentioned where it just seemed like he was more about himself and less about people and i think that's why like self-centered there was like some kind of disconnect Mm -hmm. yeah yeah makes sense you're like bouncing from lives yeah if you're the only constant thing then that makes sense yeah well and i feel like this is probably a reflection of like her learning from the whole dan trip from earlier in the Mm -hmm. book yeah Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, he's not actually, he doesn't have my best interest in mind. Like, that's pretty clear. And so this is an automatic, like, goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, did, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I did make a note, and this isn't very profound, but in all caps, I wrote, Hugo, exclamation, too. And then in parentheses, I put next to it, what this tells me is that people who regret their current lives or their root life, at one point, wanted to be a glaciologist. <laughs> like, that's my takeaway. Thanks. Nice, little. Good work. That's like, yeah, plan C. <laughs> plan C. Yeah, that, that would not exist in any of the books or CDs no. in whatever <laughs> library or, Same. like, anything I was in. Too cold. Definitely no thank you. I would literally just go back to what Catherine was saying at the beginning and be like, uh, this is ice. Yeah. It melts. I believe it is frozen. <laughs> I hear this is frozen water, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know that? Weird thing about matter, it can change. <laughs> There's a quote from Camus. It's the title of the chapter where it's... Um, There's one quote that's, if something is happening to me, I want to be there. And she's like, I feel like I should be feeling this. But instead, I'm feeling this other quote by him, which is something like, I'm not sure what interests me, but I know what doesn't. And this isn't it. I'm just like, ouch, burn. But then it's another thing that she knows. Then she's like, all right, check and then check out, you know, and just like on to the next thing. Yeah, she goes Mm -hmm. back to the library. Exactly. I mean, glace, I don't think glace, glaciology, if that's a word. I've avoided saying it. This also was right. her thing. Let's yeah. just be honest. <laughs> the study of big ice. <laughs> the study of big ice. <laughs> so, you know, after getting 
like meta boned. She is all science brain now. She corners Miss Elm and she's like, Who are you? And Miss Elm's like, What are you talking about? Like, I'm Miss Elm. And Nora's, she's like, What's what's wrong with you? And Nora's like, Well, I almost died. And Miss Elm tells her that if she dies in a life, then she dies for real. And Nora's like, Well, that's not really fair. And then Miss Elm is saying, Well, I thought you wanted to die. <laughs> so we get into this little thing again. And Nora's like, well, I don't really want to die per se, but I definitely don't want to live my actual life. And Miss Elm says, oh, are you sure? Because the book of regrets is getting lighter and you kind of tend to do this to yourself. You set up barriers and you just make your life more complicated than it needs to be and you say things that you don't think. I really liked Mm -hmm. that because it's so true. I think Mm -hmm. we all do this and like with regrets, excuses, like creating barriers for ourselves before we actually do the real thing that we want to do yeah i don't know this is where i started thinking about is this gonna be the i, I started predicting the end, <laughs> but i don't want to spoil it for myself i do the same thing <laughs> i'm like please let me guess the ending but i'm not gonna turn to the end but i really want to i really want to know but i'm not yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying not to peek in those pages have you two finished the book yet i have yeah okay so both you have okay so Catherine's <laughs> the only one in the dark yeah. I just I just don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know yet. Well, she basically like says like the book of regrets is getting lighter and then I feel like like all of this stuff is like we say and do things like we don't want to because like a form of self-protection in a way, right? Yeah. Like it's sort of like well, if I don't fully put myself out there, I can't like be fully disappointed. And so like I feel like there is like a function to it too, but I think it's interesting to like highlight it this way where it's like oh I regret these things but like also she's just reframing and so that is such an I think cool way to show that like your book of regrets can Mm -hmm. get lighter it's not permanent the more you do that yourself yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. like regret isn't factual yeah Yeah. yes Miss Elm says that Nora needs to start thinking seriously about what life she wants to live because the library might not. Time is ticking, (laughs) even though it's at midnight. It's literally not. (laughs) It's literally not. (laughs) It's metaphorically ticking. Yes. She says that if time starts moving, that something will have happened in the real life to destroy the library. And she starts thinking about, you know, what life she would seriously want to live. And she starts thinking back on the role that music played in her life. And she's like, well, this other stuff that I wanted to do, I guess didn't work out. So I guess I'll do the whole band thing. So she does a band life. And this was a lot shorter than I expected it to be. Same. I thought this was going to be a lot more. But we were wrong. Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of like dating. She's, like, dating with her lives. Like, she's learning really quickly what she wants or likes and doesn't want or doesn't like. So, and she's realizing she doesn't have, like, as much time. I mean, it's like that, too, when you first started dating and however old you were, like, middle school, high school, college, whatever, you were like, yeah, whatever, like, it's fine, it's fun. And then as you get older, you're like, wait, like, I actually might want to settle down at some point, like, yeah, you're cute, but are you a paper bag over the head kind of person? Or (laughs) do I actually want to look at you (laughs) or have a conversation with you or whatever? Right. Do you see a future with somebody? Mm -hmm. You know, is this what you want your quote unquote forever to be, you know, a life or a person in the sense? Yeah. 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 So she appears to be backstage and there's a towel person that gives her 
a towel, I guess, because she's, like, all hot and sweaty because they're at a concert. And she thanks the towel person. The towel person's like, oh, my God, you thanked me. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> That'd be me in front of Taylor Swift. Just <laughs> like, you thanked me. <laughs> she sees Robbie, who's wearing an indigo suit with no shirt. And he's talking to her, and there's, like, some tension in his voice. So we maybe have an idea that even though they're supposedly in a band together, that there's not something quite right there. There's a different basis than the one that she remembers. Um, Joe is around, and he's doing something with the foreign press. They're playing at a stadium, so they're huge. At this point, I also would be like, nope. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. It's like, can you just put me in a spot in this life where I'm not, like, I can have some time to rehearse, like, (laughs) instead of, like, performing an encore that I'm not sure about yet? (laughs) Can you put me in a practice room? (laughs) Yes, please put me in the practice room. (laughs) Put me as a background dancer. I can do the... A little step touch and a snap. (laughs) Snaps. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think it's interesting too, right? Like there, I was thinking about this from a musician standpoint because she had like physically trained her body for like the Olympics or whatever. Like she's super fit in the other life. And then in this life, she must have like a ton of muscle memory for like all of the songs and oh, stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, at least her like body is yeah. on her side. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought too. Yeah. You know? I was like, at least she's kind True. of. Like, yeah. at least she, it's not like they're handing yeah. her a microphone and be like, now sing, and she can't sing, or she, like, is never, you know. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of knowing mm-hmm. what song to sing, that would be <laughs> the challenge. Go out there and sing the song you sing every single time for your yes. encore. Cool, what's that? Like, you know, that's, yeah. Howl, exactly. Howl. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. And she's like, I've literally never mm-hmm. heard this song before. So instead, we're going to do Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. Not a bad song. And she goes out on stage and she's like, I'm going to play a song that y'all have heard before. And this is a song that means a lot to my brother and me. And she plays it. I guess it technically be myself and my brother or my brother and I. Ugh, I hate English. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's why you play violin. That's why I play violin. And podcast. I feel like I've said that like six times in this recording, but that's fine. I'm just really weirdly flexing about what I do. Um, She's really hacking nervous, and she starts viewing the crowd as like a milky way of lights and supportive white noise. And then she realizes that she's more capable than she thought she was, which is good to learn. She notices that she has a tattoo that says wild and free on her arm and she's like that's interesting i guess i'm free spirit in this life (laughs) there's more weirdness with ravi after the performance because he's a little uh, i guess i want to say miffed that they didn't do howl or whatever they did in chicago because it's the song that they always do There's a text from Izzy, and it's the same text that she's been getting from Izzy, where it's a picture of whales, but now there's a text that follows it. It's like, oh my god, thank you so much for the Australia tickets. Like, I can't wait to see you. All these heart emojis. And she looks on social media, and she has like a zillion followers. She's super famous. Probably has a Wikipedia page as well. She looks hella good. She's like really rocking some goth vibe. Goth punk vibe. I liked how... It's described that she views this life or sees this life as a 
never-ending, like, race course or something like that, because mm-hmm. she's constantly going on tours and doing interviews. Like, she has to do a podcast interview after this, like, concert that she just performed. I, I just like how every life she's doing, mm-hmm. she's defining it in a different way. And this one just seems like constant, constant work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're a famous musician, but yeah. you're doing a lot. At what cost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure is the reality Oh yeah, musicians. So I'm sure it's a really hectic life. Yeah, there's an important woman on the bus who it must be some kind of manager gives her a rundown of like the itinerary where you know go back to the hotel, do the podcast interview, and Ravi is kind of salty. It seems like because the only person they really want to talk to is Nora, who Nora seems like the front man of this group, and then Ryan Bailey, the actor, facetimes her, and she's like flipping out because Ryan freaking Bailey is FaceTiming her. <laughs> he sounds like such a doofus. Oh, that was the very God. last note I made. Was Ryan Bailey does. Yeah. sounds like a doofus. Yeah. He seems drunk and he's telling her that he misses her and he's like, I'm in Mexico, except he does the whole, like, I'm in Mexico at that <laughs> embarrassing white people thing that us white people do where we try to you know, uh-huh. just where he's staying at some villa that they used to that they used to stay at when they were together, and he's like, you know, you said on Jimmy Fallon show that our relationship ran its course, and you know, I know I'm difficult, and I'm in therapy, but you know, you made the right decision, and relationships need to be more than just great sex. And Nora's the whole time's like, I had sex with Ryan Bailey, like what? She's like, let me just visualize that for a second. Let me just let me just keep that thought. And he's he's just rambling about indirect or redirection, how he's trying to get his life together. And Nora's just like, okay. And he wants to be friends. He's like, can we can we still be friends? Like, I hate that. And he's like, but please call me by the nickname that you used to call me. And she's like, I, what would I have called you? Yeah. <laughs> Rye <No>. bread. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, I'll, at least I'll be at your last concert. And then she's like, in this last interview, you said that you were into philosophy, were you? And he's like, no, you know, you just say things for the media. And she's like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad I dumped you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything that she expected out of him completely, like, I, you've probably, like, seen it in a movie or a TV show where it's like you meet, like, a celebrity and they're not really what they seem in interviews or mm-hmm. anything that you see. And it's just another example of that, like, yeah, for what sure. you expected is mm-hmm. not what you really want. <laughs> yeah. She asks him if he reads philosophy, yeah. and he says, I read life, <laughs> and life is a philosophy. <laughs> he seems like such a dude, bro. Yes. Yeah. It sounds horrible. I think that might have been the moment I wrote Ryan Bailey sounds like a doofus, is the, I, I read life. I'm like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, he's not wrong. You know, a relationship has to be more than just great sex. And if you're talking to that, then... Oh, gosh, right? I don't care how good the sex Mm -mm. is. The next chapter is a tweet where Nora says that you can have everything and feel nothing. And it's been, like, retweeted and liked. Or I don't know if Twitter Mm -hmm. uses liked. Hearted. I don't have Twitter. A zillion times. They're at this hotel... And they're getting off the tour bus and there's fans gathering there. And there's one fan who's like, oh my God, you're one of the, your songs changed my life. And then another person's like, please sign my arm. Like, this is for a tattoo. And Nora's like, what? Okay. 
But she says this is the life, like, this was the life that she was destined to be in because, like, people are, like... She loves being adored. Yeah, exactly. She's getting attention, and she's like, this is where I was destined to be. I don't know. She's also, like, taking everyone's compliment. She's not, like, jaded by stardom yet, so she's taking everyone's comment, like, very sincerely. She's like, oh my god, like, my song changed your life? Like, thank you. Wow, I have the honor of doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they keep bringing up Howl, which we don't know about. Which I guess is like their big number one song or something. They meet the podcast people inside, so they go up to Nora's room to record the podcast because I guess it's quieter and Joanna is the woman who was, I guess, managing them. And she goes up to and there's a tray of like Brazilian honey cakes and Joanna's like, you can't eat these because you're on this new diet. But then she eats a honey cake and I'd be pissed. I think that's when I would leave. <laughs> That life. I'd be like, I want Brazilian honey cake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's what she also realized. She's like, I'm like really fucking rich and famous. And yeah, I can't eat this honey cake. Like what is happening? So the podcast happens and there's a lot of questions about her songs and the album that she kind of tries to skirt past and be like, what is this song about? Oh, well, like. We find out that one of the songs is about Dan, who apparently stalked her mm-hmm. and broke into her house and all of that so it seems like dan other than the swimming life that she had is not doing so hot in all these other lives like he is either trying to communicate with um nora or break into her house who knows trying to do some creepy stuff yeah generally just like a not good person yeah looks like and that's really yeah. when she, like, warms up into the interview, too, because she can say all this, like, shit about Dan and how he's, you know, an awful person. She's like, would you believe, like, in a parallel life, he would have loved me? She should probably add in the book of her regrets, like, <laughs> never meet Dan. I wish I never met Dan. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. just X him out of your life, girl. <laughs> you don't need him. Yeah. And then they say, or the podcasters say that, You know, she's had, like, a bunch of hard times recently, and the press has made it indefinitely harder for her by not giving her any privacy and following her around, and why does the press hate her so much? And she's like, I don't know. And they're like, what would your life have been if you took a different path? And she's like, well, it's funny that you bring this up, because I am currently (laughs) life-surfing right now. (laughs) And she just kind of says that, being sad is a byproduct of being a person and would happen regardless of what life that you lived, which I think is a good lesson to learn because at the beginning of this story, she definitely kind of painted herself as being like a victim of circumstance and not realizing that she was like responsible for a good part of the reasons why that she was unhappy or if she wasn't responsible, she wasn't like taking steps to like actively fix the things that were making her unhappy. So, you know, I mean, she's been in a life where she's an Olympic swimmer and she's still depressed and she's in this life of being a world-renowned musician and she's still depressed. So it's just like, yeah, money and fame aren't going to fix you. Yeah. I think especially in this one, when she like walks onto stage in like the Milky Way chapter, the last line is like, she was capable of a lot more than she had known. And I was like, But, like, she probably just, like, didn't know she could have done more in Mm -hmm. her root life, you know? Like, sometimes you just just assume that things aren't possible. Yeah. And that's, like, so easy to do. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. 
Yes. I really like this chapter for that yeah. reason, too. Yeah. It's just like the fish tank uh, section where you just, it, like, it's easier to settle. It takes less strength to just settle than to do any kind of action that would help or harm you. Yeah. We're creatures of comfort, and we just kind of stick with what we know, even if what we know isn't good for us. I think it's yeah. what I said last episode. They start asking her... Um, about her three homes. I guess she has, like, one in California, I think, and one in England and one somewhere else. And she's like, oh, I would go to the London one because, like, that's where my brother and I live. And they're like, oh, this is awkward, but your brother died, like, two years ago of a drug overdose. Gasp. And then they start asking her, like, how she's doing with that because that's obviously really hard. And then she just starts being super sad and she just fades out. Well, she goes down to, like, the bar, and she's, oh, like, yeah. asking Ravi, like, why did you say that Joe was, like, talking to the press? He's, like, Joanna? Mm-hmm. And end scene. Goes back to the library. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I was, like, oh. Then that's it. Well, we get the howl. Howl is the song, and the it, Matt basically writes down the lyrics of the song, and the gist of it is that life isn't as good as it seems. Thank you all for joining us on this section. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. That was so much fun. Is there anything that y'all would like to plug before we leave? Um, my podcast is called uh, Align Your Mind. It is everywhere you get podcasts. It's for musicians who want to feel better. Nice. It's my plug. <laughs> it's a great podcast, so check it out. And if people want to follow you on the socials, where can they find you? Um pretty much just instagram at uh underscore chelsea tanner rad and her podcast is the bee's knees y'all should definitely check it out especially if you're a musician like go check it out yes (laughs) yeah go check it out (laughs) (laughs) and then uh i'm uh hightailing through history we're on instagram uh hightailing history and then hightailing history pod on tiktok our main community is on instagram though so we're on Twitter, we're on TikTok, but if you really want to connect, and I know you do, just get in here so we can snuggle you. Uh, that's hightailing history. And then I turned away most of the, or I turned off most of the people. They're like, no snuggles for me. Thank you so much. Great. <laughs> and definitely follow them on social media because Laurel puts up some really neat reels of like little history tidbits, and they're very entertaining. Meat reels? Did you say meat reels? Reels. Did you say meat meat reels? Oh, I was like, meat. meat. I was like, I just imagine like slabs of steak. She holds up meat and she shows them in the reels, but they're really (laughs) cool because there's like, seriously, like there's some things about history that I was not sure about. Thank you so much. I have so much fun with those things. It's it's my moment to have a creative outlet. So I appreciate, appreciate that they're loved. Thank you. They're really good. Like, you put a lot of good work into it, and I'm like, I am too lazy to do the whole, like, screen background thing and then talk (laughs) into my reel. I don't like that. (laughs) I like mimicking whatever audio is there, but I love love your reels. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check out your podcast. I I just followed. Yeah. I gotta uh, (laughs) teach a new student in 15 minutes. Go get him. So it was lovely talking to you both. I guess we'll finish this book next week. So thank you so much. See you guys. Bye bye. Bye. And recording. Oh.